we're in a series, a brand new series this, this summer called Got Fruit, and uh, it's just a great question. Do you have fruit? And uh, it's going to make sense to you as we, we go on to this, uh, this series. But, uh, you know, in, in our life, uh, we always produce something. Right now, as, as you sit in this room right now, all of you, uh, in your life, you've produced something. Sometimes we produce uh, good things, and sometimes people produce bad things. And we call the, the good things the fruit of the Spirit, and we call the bad things the works of the flesh. And uh, the question is, and you've got to ask yourself if you're participating in this thing, which I hope you are, and that is, well, what have I been producing in my life? Exactly what am I producing? Is there fruit of the Holy Spirit being born out in my life? Or do I got a lot of flesh going on in there? And we're going to deal with that this whole summer, and it's going to help you because uh, you, you want to grow in Christ. That's our whole goal. Uh, as pastors, our goal is not only for us to personally grow in Christ, but to help you grow in Christ also and develop your, your life in God and to get you on your discipleship path and cause you to mature on that discipleship path. So don't miss these eight different messages on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, knowing what we should do and what we actually do, have you figured this out that a lot of times that's two different things? Have you figured out that you know what to do and yet sometimes you don't do it? Uh, James said it this way in the book of James. He says, to him who knows to do something but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So it's a very, very important thing going on here. And uh, we, you know, everybody knows, like, for instance, everybody wants to be healthy, right? But everybody wants Oreos also. In my case, it's Little Debbie oatmeal cakes. <laughs> I love Little Debbie oatmeal cakes. No, no, just uh-uh, not the double, single, single. And, and you know, I, I just love them. And I just, I just can't help myself. I mean, it's just part of me. You know what I mean? And uh, with you, it might be something else, right? And so in, in the book of, of Galatians, the apostle Paul talks about this. And I'm wondering why, have you ever wondered why are certain things in the Bible? Why would the Holy Spirit talk to Paul about this thing of the flesh, the works of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit? Why? Why? Well, well, the reason why is because there's a battle that's going on on the inside of every one of you sitting in this room right now. Every one of you. There's this, this battle between the flesh, the flesh, which is really uh, the, the human nature without the influence of God, the flesh, and with the spirit. You know, we could call that the great inner battle, if you would. It's like it goes on. It's like I know what to do, but I don't want to do it. But I, I want to do this, but I do that. You know what I mean? It's this constant battle that goes on in circumstances with people that you deal with, with your kids, come on, with that spouse of yours, with that boss or that coworker that's on the side of you every day of your life. You deal with that, this battle. I know what to do. I should do this. Oh, no, I did that, the great inner battle. In Galatians 5.16, Paul talks about that. He says, uh, I want you to walk by the Spirit. And if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other 
to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Sounds familiar to you? I like it in the Amplified Bible. It says, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. That's what's going on. It's happening every day. And the term flesh, like I said, it, it's, it deals with the part of us that is not submitted to God. I, I want to say it this way. I said the flesh is like first cousin to the devil. You ever think about that? You say, well, is that biblical? Well, Jesus said this to people who would not believe on him. He said, you are of your father the devil. You are children of disobedience. And so, yes, it is. My flesh never wants to do what God wants it to do. Left to myself, I am one selfish individual, and I want what I want when I want it and how I want it. Get out of my way. Are you like that, or are you already fully sanctified? I'm not sure yet. I, I'm not sure if I'm talking to people who got it together. You know, we got it together. So, you know, the, 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 the Bible portrays the, the, the flesh as a powerful force. It really does. That's able to run people away from God. But it also emphasizes the power of the Holy Spirit, which is able to take an individual and conform them to the image of Christ. And a lot of times we spend so much time uh, fighting the flesh that we forget that we should submit to the Spirit. And that's what I believe God wants us to do. I, I believe that's it. I mean, I, I think the Bible teaches about the flesh. And, it's, you know, Paul said it this way. He said, uh, the flesh profits nothing. He said, there's nothing good in my flesh. And then the Bible also says, uh, and Paul says it also, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And then, of course, Paul uh, finishes up by saying in Romans chapter 8, I think it is, where he says, you know, you are, I want you to mortify or put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. So it's possible to do that, to have this wonderful fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and I believe that that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so... Why don't we look at what the fruit of the Spirit is? If we're going to be it, do it, produce it, if the Holy Spirit's going to uh, grow it in our lives, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I, lo I love those verses of the Scripture because really what they're doing, they're, they're showing us the very makeup, the very character of God. God is all these things right here. And his desire is that people who are being conformed to the image of Christ have this produced in their life. Now, before we go any further, let's take off the guilt and the condemnation that's already coming upon you about you ain't this good. You've been a trying, but you just can't seem to get that good. And that's really the problem. You've been a trying a whole bunch, and God's going to teach you how to maybe get it done. 
So today we're going to pick one of these fruit, and that's going to be the fruit of patience. Patience. Now, when we define patience, let, let me start with this. Most of us, including me, have a tendency to reduce the fruit of patience all the way down to traffic. <laughs> if only I could overcome the morning commute, glory would fall. Or the line at the convenience store where somebody just can't seem to get the perfect change out of that large purse <laughs> in the bottom of the purse when you have to be somewhere. Or like this morning on the way to church when we stopped at McDonald's to get a biscuit in the, <laughs> in the drive through line. And nobody would talk to us. We just waited and waited. And that's just so elementary, isn't it? Almost primary of reducing such a wonderful fruit down to those small areas that sometimes defeat us. So give a biblical definition of, of this wonderful word. We learned some Greek. Now, most of us don't know anything about Greek, and I don't unless I have the books that teach me about it. So let's not get all high and mighty like the Greek says. But the Greek does say <laughs> macrothemia. It means forbearance. Forbearance. Now, now in, the, in the Scriptures, they use the word patience and forbearance and long-suffering. It kind of interchanges those three words together. But what does forbearance mean? Well, forbearance means to refrain, and refrain means to stop oneself from doing something, to refrain from enforcement of something such as a debt, right, or obligation that is due. In other words, somebody owes you something, and you have every right to come down on them, but you refrain from doing that. You are patient with them. Another biblical definition is uh, patience in the Bible is the quality of forbearance and self-control which shows itself particularly in a willingness to wait upon God and his will. Patience is also the ability to endure difficult people and situations without giving into anger or giving up hope. So when we put all those together, it just means forbearing in your life. Being patient with yourself, with people, and mainly with God. If we put it all, if we just kind of ball it all down together. Uh, th this word macrothemia, it, it comes from a compound word, macros, which means long, and thumos, which means passion. Actually, what it, if you were to picture patience, if you were to picture it on somebody's face, it might look something like this. That's what it means. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people used the nose in teaching this, this principle. And they, they said, if you have a short nose and it's red, you're out of control. But, it, but those who have a long nose, even though it's red on the tip, it takes a long time to get into the mind. And there are people who are patient. So I don't know how long your nose is today. You never know. But that's what the Bible is teaching us. Long-tempered or forbearance or long-suffering. So get this, patience, 
for today, look at it this way. It's a quality of the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit has with him patience that he wants to develop in your life. Amen? So Jesus gives a teaching on patience. I'm getting ready to share it with you out of Matthew chapter 18. Now, right before this story, Peter is asking Jesus, how often should I forgive somebody? Jesus, Jesus answers him and says, you need, to, you need to forgive somebody 70 times 70. You remember that verse that everybody hates <laughs> when it comes to forgiveness. But, but he does that. So this teaching is on forgiveness, but embedded within this teaching is a little jewel for us. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. Long suffer with me, please. Forbear with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, or we could almost say out of compassion or even with patience, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Aren't you glad about that? Don't you think that that guy was some happy? Don't you think that guy would be full of joy and forgiveness and just motivated to be a better person? It didn't work. But when the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii, which is hardly anything, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, long suffer with me, have compassion, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw the, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You said, Have patience with me, and I did have patience with you, and you should not have, and, and, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Jesus is teaching about forgiveness, but he's also teaching about patience and long-suffering with people. And what is the Lord teaching us here? He's teaching us that we should be tolerant with people. That's part of, uh, that's part of patience, being tolerant of people, as much as God is tolerant with you. This morning, we were praying, and Jan said, thank you, Lord, you know, for putting up with us, basically. I'm just paraphrasing the prayer, but it's like, Lord, thank you. And, and when we got up, I said, boy, the Lord has been more than patient with me over the years, more than patient. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe God could have killed me in the pulpit more than once, but he didn't. He's been very, very patient. He's patient with all of us. I'm glad of that. See, patient is one of God's main characteristics. And, and, and some people don't understand the patience of God. How many of you ever said, Lord, when are you coming back? It's time. It's really bad. You've got to come back now. What are you waiting on? Those are people that say it all the time. Jan says that every day of our life. <laughs> I really believe she wants the Lord to come so that uh, she'll be finished with me. I'm not sure. 
Sometimes I wonder, I think, well, maybe she's thinking, aren't we going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye? And I can't wait for that, Lord, come quickly. But, but people were criticizing the apostles about the coming of Jesus because they really believed he was coming back then. And they said, oh, since the very beginning, our father said he's coming back. Oh, what's the deal with that? And so Peter answers them in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. With the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. And he says this, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Lord is waiting, he's filling up the kingdom. He's building churches. He's gathering saints together. And he's not slack in his promise, and he's definitely not slow. People count his patience as indecision or slowness when in mercy he's holding back the tide. Exodus 34, after Moses had, uh, had broken the first set of the Ten Commandments, when the people had, you know, melted down the gold and made a golden calf, when they had just crossed the Red Sea and God had just delivered them from Egypt, now they make a golden calf and they say, this is the God who brought us out. And Moses comes down, he sees this, and he is some impatient. He didn't wait around. Smashed the Ten Commandments that God had given him, grinds up this golden calf and puts it in the water and makes all the people drink it. I love that story. When I'm feeling really rowdy, I just, I just like to think about that and say, Moses did it. <laughs> I mean, Moses did it. And so Moses has got to make two more tablets of, of the commandments. You see, isn't that something about God? He says, he, he didn't even do that. He said, Moses, just make some more commandments here. We got, we got a job to do. And in the sixth verse, God is coming by Moses. Moses goes before God. The Lord passed before, and this is what the Lord proclaimed. The Lord said this. He said, the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what God said about himself. He said, Moses, you got to understand something. I'm long-suffering. I'm patient with people. I mean, so many times, man, the, the men of God just kill everybody. You know what I mean? And God said, no, I'm patient. See, God wants to produce in you this slowness, this slowness, this patience. Ephesians 4, 1, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit says this, talking about him being a prisoner for the Lord. He said, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love this verse because it shows other fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, love, and peace, along with patience. You know, if you're going to build a church in this community, you're going to have to be patient with each other. It ain't easy moving in a portable church. <laughs> Are you still having fun? You're going to have to have patience with one another. Because that ain't every Sunday I want to I I 
wind up all these wires again. And John didn't show up again today. And I got to do his part. Oh, my God, he broke it. They did this. They did that. These chairs are so heavy. I did these chairs. I these chairs. You're building a church for the kingdom. That people are going to come who don't know God and leave knowing God. Whose eternity is going to be changed because you folded a chair and wound up a wire. You understand? I mean, come on. Patience. Is that building ever going to look like a building? Patience. Yeah, you'll be dancing on that floor before you know it. Then what? Then what? I'm going to share a personal story with you. And uh, I want to read it because I, I want to make sure I say it the way I wrote it down a couple of nights ago. Uh, maybe it'll bless you. I know I'm blessed. See, I, I've not always walked perfectly in the area of patience. I've dealt with a number of people over the last 37 years in ministry, and I have not been patient at all times with people. It's a great trap to become prideful and think of yourself more than you ought to. Somehow or another, positioning yourself in an inclusive club an exclusive club, no longer under the same mandate of the fruit of patience. And so in times like that, God will just teach you. He's going to teach us about patience. So five years ago, I found myself in a very stressful, almost impossible situation. I acted in the right way. But it produced a very negative situation that separated me from people that I loved dearly. It was hurtful and harmful to everyone involved. Each time we, we tried to remedy the situation, it seemed to get only worse. You ever been into something like this? The only alternative was to go silent and wait Patiently. There could be no revenge or one-upping on the other parties. The pain of waiting was absolutely draining. The days turned to weeks. The weeks turned to months. And the months turned to years. Flickers of change would, would birth new hope that would slowly erode, leaving me back to square one. As time went on, still trying to understand who was responsible for what, I at times would lose perspective and want to lash out, demanding my rights because I was right in my own eyes. It wasn't until time had passed that I realized that waiting patiently was the only absolute way of ever finding closure and ultimately reconciliation. 
it had to be the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of all involved if we were ever to find peace. I believe to this day that everyone who yields to the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit will find that peace and reconciliation. The fruit of patience saved my life, my joy, and has brought reconciliation. And might I add that on the way over here today, a phone call with part of the parties that were involved (laughs) proved that full reconciliation had finally taken place. Five and a half years of waiting (laughs) and wanting and believing and struggling and trying with some joy, anger, confusion, and finally breakthrough. Reminds me of Psalm chapter 40, one of my favorite beginning of chapters in the Bible. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord. (laughs) And he inclined me and heard my cry. I don't know how long they waited, but I've read the book of Psalms many times, and they're constantly waiting and crying and rolling on their beds and running and hiding and and climbing and falling and begging and, and getting angry and slashing out and getting quiet. I don't know how long it took the Lord to incline his ear, and I don't know how long it took for the Lord to hear his cry. But the Bible says he drew me up from the pit of destruction. I don't know how long, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And then after it all said and done, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise (laughs) to my God. You see what's on the other side of the waiting and even the struggling is a new song. (laughs) The Bible teaches us that they that wait and I might add patiently, upon the Lord, will renew their strength and they will mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. You ain't going to faint. All right? Now watch this. Some of you today, and and Stephen, you you talked about this at the very beginning. Some of you today have experienced situations that required the fruit of patience, and you have overcome and seen the victory, and you're sitting here right now and saying, amen, waiting patiently, bearing that fruit out no matter what works. And to you, I'd say, hallelujah. Isn't it great? And then some of you, You're right in the middle of situations. 
Maybe what I said, you were going, yes. And you're learning how to wait on the Lord patiently. You're learning how to have the, the character of, of God developed in your life to where you are patient like he is patient. It might be patient with people that are close to you. You might be struggling with being patient with yourself. We are so hard on ourselves because we feel like God is so hard on us that we want to be like God and be harsh on us, not knowing that the goodness of God is what draws us to repentance. To you, I would say, press in, hold on, wait patiently on the Lord. He's hearing your cry. He knows your situation and your circumstances. And he's going to come through because if he did it back then, he'll do it now. If he answered prayer then, he'll, he'll answer prayer now. He was the Savior then. He's the Savior now. He was powerful then, and he's powerful now. He never changes. And then still in this room right now, there's somebody saying, well, I got it. I'm on Easy Street right now. And I would say, isn't it fun to be on Easy Street? Don't get lazy on Easy Street because I guarantee you one thing. There's a time coming, and this is not negative. This is very positive. There's a time coming where you're going to need patience more than you ever have needed it before. I would say to you young adults who have no kids, who watch some parents struggle with kids, I would just say to you a word from the Lord. Wait. It's a coming. <laughs> or whatever else is happening. You're going to need him. So all this leads us to one question. And the question is very simple. How do I see the fruit of patience manifested in my life? How do I see it? What, what, what's my part in it? You know what I mean? Because you don't just sit here and say, oh, fruit, bink, bink. You know what I mean? I'll give you four things real quick and then we're done. Number one, I believe you must be a born-again believer who has the Holy Spirit operating in your life. All what we're teaching here is for believers in Christ. Amen. It's not for people who are not believers. And if you're not a believer, I understand that. I was once not a believer, so I relate. But it's going to be hard to have the fruit of God in your life without having God in your life. Does that make sense to you? The only way to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit of God. Number two, you must be serious about developing a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be serious about developing this relationship. It's not a blasé, passive, just, oh, well, whatever. If God, you want me, you, you'll come get me. No, you've got to be like the psalmist says, like the deer pants for the water brook, so does my soul search for you. That means relating and submitting to the Holy Spirit. It's not magic. It just doesn't happen. It takes serious dedication. It takes seeking and submitting to him and honoring him. It takes taking self off the throne, really, because selfishness will quench everything concerning your relationship with God. Number three, you must be disciplined to see the Holy Spirit working in situations of your life. In other words, you've got to be aware of his presence. Look, when we get rattled, Sometimes the last thing we want to know is where is God in this thing because we're so rattled and shaken up. 
You know, we like, we like marbles in a tin can. You know, it's just confusion. But I'm telling you what, when things begin to settle, you've got to see where are you at in this thing, God? What are you doing in me, to me, for me, with me? Being aware of his presence. And number four, we need to live by faith, knowing that God is always working to do his will in our life. If there's one thing that I have come to understand is that God is for me, not against me, and that God is working in me and on others around me even when I don't feel it or see it or even notice it. God is working always for my good because everything that happens in your life works together for good when you're called according to God's purpose and you love him. He's on your side. And he's going to develop things in you by allowing things into your life. And that's just the way of the kingdom. You say, I don't like it that way. I don't like it when God, but that's the way that God works. How do you think he worked everything in the apostles and people like Job and Jonah and all these people that you read, Elijah and Elijah, all the men and women of God, he worked in them by allowing things in their life that were impossible. And yet through the power of God and the love of the Father, he saw a way to give them the victory. So look up on the screen and we're, we're closing now. Patience in the Bible shows us that it is always worth it to be patient. It may not be easy, but in the end, it will be all worth it. So never lose hope and keep on waiting on God's perfect timing. Patience does not happen overnight. Patience is a constant and everyday decision. It is a decision to rest on Him and His ways. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and give God just a few more moments? Just for a moment. One last thing as you're just meditating. Patience is the Holy Spirit's gift to you so that you may be able to bear with everything and everyone who comes into your life right there, right where you are. There's some of you in here that you don't know Jesus and you're hungry. You've come to church for, for that reason. God's been drawing you, drawing your heart. You don't understand everything, I'm sure, but you just feel a tug, like a tug of war going on in the inside of you. And that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. I want to pray with you, especially right now, that you would accept Jesus because that's what really matters, receiving him, trusting him as your Lord and Savior. So if you're in this room right now and you've got that tug on your heart, I'm going to help you pray. And all you got to do is just simply say things like this. Your heart is wide open to God right now and you're trusting. Here's your first step of faith to say something like this and you're just speaking in your own words right now under your breath in your mind in your heart because God's reading you right now just say Father in heaven I've not known you 
been separated from you. I'm a sinner. I've been living by my flesh. But today, I turn my life around and I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I trust that you died for me and for my sin. And I receive you right now. I, I ask you to change me and to make me the person you want me to be. And I thank you for that. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart and you believe in the Lord Jesus and you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, the Bible says you shall be saved. And so give your heart to him, give your life to him and begin to walk it out and he'll direct your paths, believe me. And he'll be very, very patient with you. Now for you who are believers in this room, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I, I just, I, I, this thing of patience, I want it born in my life. I want to bear that fruit. That's, that's the first thing I want right now. Today, this morning, I want it to begin to grow in my life. Let's pray together. And you pray with me and believe the Lord that he's going to begin to work with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we as believers submit our hearts to you in the area of patience, this fruit that we so desire in our life. The same fruit that Jesus had, Lord, who had the power to call legions of angels down to interrupt the, the plans of wicked men, but yet, Lord, he was patient, knowing and seeing what was on the other side of the crucifixion. Lord, give us that patience. Help us, Father, to trust you and to wait on you to forbear with other people especially our families our children our spouses the people we work with the people that we do church with Lord in the kingdom I submit myself go ahead submit yourself to the Holy Spirit right now. I submit myself Lord we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit right now and we believe that there is going to be a change as we grow day by day and as we're transformed day by day into the image of Jesus, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.